the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. Yes, we are. Uh, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, West Coast Trip episode. Uh, let's talk about it for an hour, not even an hour. We probably tackle about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes of that of our squad. Try to get to some rest of the NHL stuff around the league and have some fun at the very end, man. Uh, our RP's off. Shout out to RP. Uh, got Glenn with us. Got Scott with us. Got Carl with us. Uh, we could talk about how well the Rangers have been playing. We could talk about the addition of Vladimir Tereshenko and his impact on that top line. It, it feels like 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 things happened so fast last week since the last time we were here. And the next thing you know, jury uh, pulls the trade. I think the next day uh, after our episode last Tuesday, and 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 we're all thrilled. I think a lot of a lot of people b- believe the rumors, especially in Rangers Twitter and social media, as far as let's see, Meyer or Patrick Kane. Where even if you go back about two three weeks ago, I said if they were to you know go a route, why not look at somebody like a Vladimir Tereshenko, which made a little bit more sense to me. He'd done deals with this team before. He's three years younger than Patrick Kane. He wasn't going to get another contract with the Blues. Per uh, now that that came out, so. Right now, the Rangers, uh, excellent win versus the Vancouver Canucks. They also had a great win with the backup goalie against the top place um, Carolina Hurricanes. That was a very good sign. Now we're on this West Coast trip. Uh, nice start off the, uh, after the All-Star break. Let's talk about it. Let's get Glenn. Say hello, Glenn, just real quick, and I'll come right back to you. We'll go to uh, Scott. We'll go to Carl. Glenn, what's up, bro? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Happy Valentine's Day to all you guys. Uh, while most people are out having a nice uh, romantic dinner, uh, us, all of us Romeos here are uh, here to show the love for Vladimir Tarasenko. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, oh, and then also let's not forget um, uh, everybody's favorite Ranger who demands trades. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Kratz off. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that as well. Um, Scott, <laughs> what's going on, bro? How you doing? Gentlemen, uh, and what a lovely evening it is. Happy Valentine's Day to all. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Mahomes, that is. Thank you, uh, Mahomes, and that wonderful referee who threw that defensive holding penalty with a minute and a half left. Uh, it was just a glorious day all around. Uh, yeah, things are uh, – on an unrelated note. Um, no, things are great. Uh, I saw a stat today since, you know, December 5th is that uh, that key day. I think, it was, you know, there was a date last year, uh, pretty much date every year where you can, you know, pinpoint when the Rangers turn their season around. And December 5th was right before that seven-game win streak. And I saw some great stats today um, since December 5th. And that's uh, – that's, that's 27 games. That's a good sample size right there. That's that's a third of the season. The Rangers are 24 and three, um, tied for first in the overall league in the entire NHL in points percentage at 796. Uh, goals four is tied for second in the league, and we 
you know, God knows for how many years we've been complaining about five on five and lack of goal scoring. Well, since December 5th, they have the second most goals in the league uh, per game at 3.7, uh, third best goals against in the, in the league at 2.37 and the power play, which has also been, uh, you know, hurt. And we've been complaining about, uh, even when this team was starting to win, we were still complaining about the power play fifth in the league with a 25.3. So, uh, Life is good right now, riding uh, another win streak. And since then, a seven-gamer, a three-gamer, and now the five-gamer that we're currently on. So, um, yeah, I got uh, I got good things to say uh, across the board on this call. Right, right. And um, I actually did see your post in the NHL Sports Talk group with that stat line. I was going to ask you about that, but you beat me to the punch. You really – way to steal my thunder, <laughs> Michael Keaton. I am Batman. <laughs> oh, I will, I will address that uh, as well. Because <laughs> I know Glenn, Glenn's uh, going to be very excited to hear what we have to say about that. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, all right, cool. Let's bring on Carl, man. Shout out to Carl, and I know you got to be thrilled, bro, that the uh, that team down in Philadelphia didn't pull it off. But that's a football talk for another day. But Scott kind of brought it up, so might as well go off of that. And how you doing, sir? Roses are red, the Rangers are blue. I'm glad to be on this call with you. How about that? <laughs> put that on the uh, put that on the put, put that in the card and uh, send that out. <laughs> Do that. I bet. Uh, but, yeah, bet, bet, you know, bet. but you know, hey, listen. Uh, Sunday kind of. St- hey, I was I was stunned uh, with the results of that of that uh, that game Sunday. I'm still trying to process it. I'm gonna have to watch it again because I'm still trying to figure out how exactly that that team in green lost. But hey, it was one hell of a game. I will say that. Yeah, I, I am stunned too, and I'm, but I'm so thrilled, man. I, I, I thought they were going to win. But listen, I, I'm not trying to rewrite history, and I'm with you. Is the word stunned? But hey, I'm thrilled. I've, I've, you know, listen, Scott, Carl, Glenn, I had never enjoyed the pity and tears from Eagles fans in my life from Sunday night through, let's say, Monday night. I, they were, they were so overwhelmed and they they were so hurt and, and and it's good because we got our well i mean we had our two chips in like a four-year run or whatever and they were on that path too and they can't get that through this season and listen that's talk for thursday talk but uh yeah i, I am thoroughly stunned and happy at the same time uh let's see glenn we have a lot of see scott brought up the great stat but glenn i'm gonna go back to you and let's talk about what we saw yep. in the you know with tereschenko's debut he got a goal in that second shift of, of his uh, uh of that game uh the rangers to me that was the best period they played well, i put it like this that was the top that was the top five period they played uh that first period uh versus uh vancouver i i I could see other periods that were great like let's say the uh, carolina home game that third period uh opening night versus the lightning it was up there that's how great they 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 skated with some enthusiasm they looked fast they looked upbeat and refreshing scott read the great stat because i saw that post earlier today scott how well the rangers have been playing uh since december 5th but Glenn, um, let's, let's let's go right down the line, man. And, and there's still time on this deadline. But let's also not forget about Kratzoff, who's again, again, <laughs> you know, this is what he does. You know, he come on, you know, be on the roster for a couple months, demands a trade. It, it's like almost like 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 in wrestling, like Chris Benoit always wanted a fucking rematch. This is what he wants. He wants to trade. Yeah, okay, whatever. So Glenn, let's talk about. It. Let's unpack all that stuff. Tereschenko debut, how well the Rangers have been playing, the win in Carolina, West Coast trip. What's going on, bro? Well, I, I, you know, could you have a better debut than Tereschenko had? I mean, they were 
cheering his name in warm-ups. And uh, guy takes two minutes and 49 seconds to score a goal. Crowd's going nuts. They're chanting his name. Uh, you know, I mean, c- could he have a, a better debut? So, um, you know, he sparked that team right away. And like you say, that first period against Vancouver, Steve, was just overwhelming. I mean, they were just swarming all over them, a- as you would expect. I mean, it wasn't something that, uh, you know, was was uh, shocking. But, uh, you know, the way they just overwhelmed them, I mean, they looked like uh, – they made Vancouver look like an AHL team uh, in that period. And, uh, again, then they turned around and did that uh, to Carolina in the uh, in the third period. And, um, you know, I wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, I was expecting a, a tight game. I think we all probably were. Uh, and then uh, – you know, we've been talking all year about how, oh, boy, the, the chemistry between Trocek and, and Panarin, it's just not working. You know, they, they need to be split up. You know, Strom was a lot better with Panarin and this and that. And then, uh, you know, you go put Panarin on the line with uh, Trocek, and he scores four goals in a period and a half. So, I mean, that's that's typical hockey. How could you, uh, uh, you know, how could you predict it? Uh, so, uh, but I think going back to Tarasenko, uh, the thing that this does is it solidifies all the lines. Um, you know, we were talking all season about how, you know, we're, we're, so many guys were on the right wing of uh, Zabanajad, whether it was Blaze, it was Vizi, it was Goudreau. Uh, I mean, they were, you know, moving all players to try to see what worked on the uh, first line. We were pulling our hair out with Gallant. Um, and now with Tarasenko in there taking the the, uh, the role on the on the the right wing on the first line, it kind of you know it's like a domino effect. It, it puts everybody uh, in line of where they should be uh, on what line, uh, what their talent is, what their role is. Uh, so to me, uh, you know the 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 move, and we knew it was either going to be Kane or Tarasenko or somebody. Uh, that eventually that was going to happen and, and hoping that, uh, you know, it was going to just solidify all the lines finally. Everybody's got their role. Everybody's got their place. Uh, you know, Gallant can move Panarin down, up. You know, they can kind of mix and match with those lines, but it's not going to be the the uh, uh, all the uh, shuffling around that's been done all season. So I think this is what we were, were hoping was going to happen when they finally landed that uh, uh, top right wing. Uh, as far as Kraftsoff goes, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, the guy just didn't produce enough. And now, uh, again, with Tarasenko here, where does he fit in? There, There's no place for him. So, you know, he can kind of whine and cry all he wants, but I don't see how he gets back in the lineup again. The only thing is now with this, with, with you know, right away this request for a trade again, I mean, if you're the general manager of another team, you know, he hasn't shown – you think he's got the talent and he's young and, you know, there might be a team that wants to take a chance on him. But, you know, if you're a, a general manager, you're kind of having second thoughts of like, boy, this guy is just – when is he going to grow up? He's just going to be a, a headache. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I had said a couple of weeks ago, I don't think he's going to be a Ranger by the deadline. I still don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he really hurts his trade value by – uh, acting like a baby, so I don't know what they're going to be able to uh, get for him. 
But, uh, you know, I mean, Drury did a great job with Tarasenko. He gave up nothing. Uh, you know, he retained Kraftsoff and, uh, you know, Zach Jones and, you know, some other assets that he could use down the line. Uh, so you got to give kudos for him. I mean, we got Tarasenko for basically nothing. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think Drury is done. He might make another move to, uh, uh, you know, for a, a fringe uh, – fourth line type of guy or another defenseman. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, I think they're in good shape now. I think what we see on the ice from, from now on is pretty much what we're going to see going into the playoffs. And before we go to Scott, um, if you want to let me, let, I didn't even bring this up. I should, uh, as far as, uh, Atimi, uh, Panarin, Eastern conference player of the week. Uh, he had a monster game. He had three goals and an empty netter. So he had four goals total, versus Carolina, and this is the same, you know, not us, nobody on this line. We, we didn't do this to him, but we heard the boos. Remember during the playoffs when Panero, you know, but now Ranger fans appreciate him. We had a monster night versus the top division team. What are your thoughts as far as Panero's performance this past week, in particular the Carolina game? Well, I mean, the Carolina game, he just took over. I mean, uh, you, you again, like I said previously, uh, you know, we've been talking about the lack of chemistry that everybody thought, you know, uh, he, di- he didn't have with, Tro- with Trocek and, uh, you know, he wasn't really living up to what you would expect. I mean, I think the guy was still having a really good year. We, kn- we know the player he is. Um, you know, he's a pass-first kind of guy, which is why, uh, you know, I had mentioned that uh, I thought Kraftsoff would be great on the line with him because if Kraftsoff is the sniper that, uh, you know, we've been told he could be. Who better than to be on the line with Panarin? But uh, you know, I, I've never, uh, I've never had the uh, the displeasure with Panarin that a lot of people have had. Um, yeah, playoffs last year, he wasn't right, uh, and we never really got an explanation for it. Whether it was you know some type of injury or just a lack of confidence or just uh, being afraid to make a mistake because. You know, let's face it. He he is a a, a risk reward kind of guy. He he uh, you know he he attempts passes that most players won't attempt, and when you do that, sometimes it's, it's going to burn you. And um, you know, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. Uh, I, I thought you know there were periods during this this season where we thought that uh, he was uh, given more of an effort on defense. Um, so you know, as far as Panarin goes, I mean, he just exploded. Uh, the game against Carolina. Uh, but uh, I haven't really been, you know, one of the ones throwing daggers at him this year, as, as a lot of Ranger fans have. That kind of surprised me because I think he's, you know, we know what he is, and I think he's still playing at a very high level. Uh, he's still up there in points in, in the league. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's been pretty consistent. If you look down the line, he's getting points, you know, most nights. So uh, I, I don't see what the problem is with him, and I'm happy that he uh, won the, the, the player of the week and, and had that great game. I mean, uh, you know, maybe Tarasenko being on the team, just I think it energized everybody. And uh, being that he's known Tarasenko for so long, they've been friends. They were, I read they were playing in tournaments when they were, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. So, uh, you know, maybe just uh, Tarasenko coming here energized him as well. It sure looked that way to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's uh, get Scott's thoughts and uh, Carl's thoughts after that. Uh, Scott, if you could answer that question from Glenn. And also, I mean, there's a lot I want you to, you know, address based, 
basically from this last week. But also, let's go – hey, Scott, let's bring that up with what happened on um, Ranger Proud's uh, Facebook page, the comment. <laughs> Remember with the lying – if you could adjust that, if you want to unpack yeah. that as well. I mean, there's a lot that I want you to bring up from the last week of Panarin, the big wins, the trade, West Coast trip, the rec- the statue were raided since December 5th. Uh, take your time, bro, and we'll go to Carl and get his answers from all of that. Okay, um – yeah, uh, what, one last thing regarding those stats. I mean, I mean we, it's, we, we know that the Rangers have been playing much, much better since that span. You know, we addressed that. Things were good. Um, but in looking at those numbers, first, second, third, fifth in the league, like, I mean, they're pretty much the best team in the entire league since December 5th. I mean, those are better numbers than, than, even, than even the Bruins have had. Um, and Carolina, who we just threw a beating on. So, I mean, the Rangers are, are playing elite well. Uh, Stanley Cup contender well which is what we wanted um so uh as far as um as far as Kravtsov goes I mean this doesn't surprise me and it doesn't bother me I mean you know we've been saying all year that we don't know what we're going to get out of him and he might two three years if he ever if he's ever to put this nonsense behind him and actually get in a groove and get the rookie adjustments and the North American hockey adjustments out of the way uh he might very well be a solid uh you know, great NHL player, but with the team that the Rangers have, uh, we can't afford that. Uh, it would have been nice. You know, we, we said he should be in his what third year, uh, with, with all the rookie stuff behind him, with all the AHL adjustments and all that stuff behind him. And he should be, you know, we, we should know by now what we have, but we don't. And this team is built to win the Stanley cup. Uh, let's compete, compete for the Stanley Cup. Let's, you know, I don't want to, you know, call the no hitter in the seventh inning or anything. But I'm saying this team is, uh, you know, ready to contend, and for that we can't have a question mark. Uh, and it, it's a shame that, that that his situation got to where, but you know, and you know, whoever's to blame. Well, him obviously most of the blame. I know that uh, uh, that that, that uh, Drury, uh, you know, they didn't care. Whatever the case, doesn't matter. We are where we are. <clears throat> that being said. Uh, we have a viable replacement. He obviously was, you know, he started the season trying to be a top six winger. It obviously was not meant to be. Um, we have a replacement, and that is uh, Jimmy Vesey will be excellent in that role and a much better option in that role. Um, and, I, you know, I, I've been saying, uh, you know, Steve, the, the, that I, I was going to shower Gallant with praise, and here it is because I've been very critical of him, just like I, um, you know, issued my apologies about Kreider last year, cr- apologies, which I'm now retracting. We'll, we'll get to that later. But uh, <laughs> uh, as far as Gallant goes, um, you know, we uh, and a lot of us were frustrated with him. The line changes, you know, saying oh, there's no continuity. Uh, uh, but but in his in his defense, he didn't have the personnel to work with. He didn't have the complete personnel. And when you've got a missing piece, you've got to, you know, shuffle things around, keep shuffling the deck until you find something that works. And they had a, well, obviously a very big piece missing, that top-notch right winger. We've been saying it all year. So here's where Gallant really started to win me over. So, yeah, so I'm going to give him, a, you know, he gets leeway uh, for the for the constant uh, of changing of lines and constant, you know, maneuvering things around because he was throwing, literally just throwing things against the wall to hoping something would stick because he didn't have the, the, the complete personnel. He had the complete personnel uh, once we got Cop and Vetrano last year, and we saw how well that went. They were instantly one of the best teams in the league, and nobody questioned his decisions in that playoff run. So 
Here's where he first started to uh, get in, in, in my good graces. Uh, he reunited the kid line. This was well before the, the Tarasenko trade. Reunited the kid line. You know, the whole, you know, which one of them is going to be in the top six. He realized you have a, you know, a top line there. You know, it, it had to be put back together. And then sure enough, as soon as they were, they caught fire. He'll, he'll you know, score in like Ovechkin for a while there. Um, so obviously the kid line had to be back together. Then he gets Tarasenko. Now, not all of a sudden, that is such a game changer in so many ways because now you've got a first line that is just handcrafted by Zeus and Panarin, uh, Zvanajad, and Tarasenko, and they will be reunited. I'm not worried about that. So you have that. So then what he really impressed me was before the, the you know, the, the day of, uh, the of, I forgot who the first game was when we got him, who did we play um, that night, that home game? Was that Seattle? Seattle Vancouver, next night. Vancouver. Vancouver was the first game? When we got Tarasenko? Yeah. No, that was, that because was that Friday. The trade that, yeah, the, yeah the, was, he didn't officially play until Friday. So right. it was Seattle. So since he's been here, Seattle and the Carolina. Okay. So the day of that Seattle game, they, um, he, the, you know, he announces the lines and the kid line was moved up to second line. And that is, I mean, I just, I gave him a standing ovation in my, in my living room. Uh, I was so happy to see that you had Zvanajad, Panera and Tarasenko on the first line. Now you have the second line, the kid line above Kreider, Trocheck, and that night it was it was Kravtsov, and I was loving life because that was the first time that Kreider's seniority did not determine him being on the top six, and it was rightfully so. That kid line absolutely earned to be in that two slot ahead of Trocheck. Nothing against Trocheck. I think Trocheck's been fine in, um, since we got him, but that kid line is more productive, more dangerous than Trocheck, Kravtsov, Slash, Beasy, uh, and Kreider. It just is. And, you know, everybody thinks, you know, Kreider should be, you know, top line, whatever. But, you know, he's not. <laughs> you know, he's well underperforming last year. And I know that we've talked about, you know, Fox with the Norris and how he played the next year and Igor this year compared to Vesna. Yes, there's going to be a drop off when you win an award. Uh, it's going to be very, very hard to stay at that level. And I know Kreider didn't officially win any awards, but, you know, the 52 goals was an award in itself. There's going to be a drop off. But I didn't think he was going to be this unproductive. So in any case, the kid line deserves to be number two. He had the balls to do it. He had the, the balls to put that kid line up above Kreider, or rightfully so. And, you know, look, look what happened. They scored goals in, in that Seattle game in order. You got the first line scoring the first goal. The kid line followed it up, Kako. And then um, I think it was Trocek, or Trocek or Kreider, I forgot who. But, you know, in order, it was just like the way it should have been. First line score, second line score, third line score. They're up 3 nothing. So I love that. And then um, come the Carolina game, Game. They the offense was just dead. Uh, they were doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was only you know they had a goal. It was two to one. That was a power play goal though. They're down two to one. But but I mean just getting crushed by Carolina. They completely took over that game. And so goes. Uh, I don't know why all games in Carolina are that lopsided. But they all all of them <laughs> last year. You know the. the, the the Georgiev, 80 saves, however many saves he made in that two nothing shutout, we won. Um, I mean they just Except crushed us in that. 
Yeah, it, well, I mean, but even Game Seven, um, <laughs> Billy. You know, we came out of that period up two nothing. I think they were the better team, though. They just took two bad penalties, and we cashed in on both. We made them pay, and then start the second period. Now it's Game Seven. They're down two nothing. They started to unravel. They started to panic, and that's why we were able to take over that game. But in that first period, I think Carolina was far and away the better team. We just happened to be up two nothing on two power play goals. So we, for for some reason, these teams, and we don't see it in any other team. No other arena do we go where we're just so lopsided uh, for the other team, but whatever, Carolina, that's the way it is. So they are just crushing us in that game uh, and, you know, two to one and breaking that thing open. I think it was just a matter of time. Uh, So Gallant switches up the lines and he puts Panarin and, and, um, you know, with, with with Trocek and he scores four goals. Um, So I commend Gallant for that. It was not working. He changed it up. Um, And I also commend him for uh, those lines are going to stay together to start the next game. And that was the the, the post uh, Steve was referring to. Um, RP made a post about posting the lines about where where it says that uh, Panarin was going to play with that uh, Trocheck line and Kreider was going to play back on, on that first line. Uh, you know, he's going to stick with the changes that he made against Carolina. Um, and, and so I'm absolutely all in favor of it um, because that was another complaint about Gallant we had. Even, you know, he was changing things up, trying to find things that worked, but he was not even caring whether they worked or not. It was just change after change after change, wasn't giving things a chance. So here you have a line change, and yes, Panarin will be back. Uh, on that line. I'm not worried about that. But for now, they're fresh off four goals in, in just over one period. So by all means, uh, give them another chance together. Um, don't change it right back. It works. Let's, uh, let's, let's go with it until it doesn't work. And then when it starts to not work, then, yeah, they'll, they'll reunite that, uh, that Panarin's Banajad, uh Tarasenko, and hopefully Kidline stays second. But for now, uh, he found something that worked for a night, so let's give it another shot. Uh, so Galan has just been all sorts of impressing me uh, with, with, with these decisions that he's done. All right, cool. All right, shout out to Scott. Hey, Carl, what's your thoughts, man? Um, a lot of wins since the All Star break. Uh, the the Flames, the uh, the Canucks. We play some of these teams again. Uh, the uh, starting on uh, tomorrow, Vancouver, and of course the two games in uh, Alberta. But what are your thoughts as far as you know the winning streak, the uh, Tarasenko edition, and uh, the backup goalie? Whatever you want to go with it, man. I mean, I think the Rangers are playing well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Ranger games this week are a little bit past my bedtime, so this could be a little bit tricky, especially tomorrow night. But um, <laughs> now, now I missed the game on Wednesday because I was at the Stars game, and I also missed the game on Friday because I was at Springsteen. So I missed both of the, I missed both of those games. I only saw highlights, so I don't Ooh. have any, um, I don't have any formal, you know, thoughts on the games itself, just outside of the highlights. But the Saturday night game, I did, I did watch, and you know. Carolina annoys me for some reason. Like maybe it's just the style of play that they have. And it's, I remember Joe said it sometime around the third period where he made something, he made a, a, a comment where he said, or maybe Joe or maybe Steve Allocate, where he said, you know, Carolina plays such a style in a way where they're going to give you an opening eventually, but you have to mm-hmm. take advantage of that opening. Otherwise, the, the door basically just shuts down. And luckily, the Rangers were able to make. Because I think at, at one point in the second period, I think they went like 18 minutes with like two shots, two or three shots, I believe, in that, in that game. And then they finally were able to, you know, sort of break free 
in that third period. So that was good to see. Um, you know, one thing I, I almost never get on coaches about is obsessive line changes. You know, I find that it's, it's sort of a thing that fans get on, but I'm never going to criticize the coach for that. You know, he's looking for the right combination. It's like it's like the chicken or the egg thing, right? Do, is the team performing because they're settled, or is the team performing because the, the combinations are being changed? Who, nobody, we really don't know. Nobody really knows the answer. Like, we've been probably trying to study this for 30, 40, 50, 60, maybe since hockey was invented. Like, we've been trying to figure this out, and really there's no real answer to that. So it's just it's basically a results-driven um results-driven inquiry for the most part. But now that the Rangers have, you know, essentially the nine players, the, the first three lines that are going to be pretty much intact now the rest of the way, barring something crazy. Like, I mean, something I was thinking about the other day was, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be helpful that, you know, maybe a player on the Rangers' top six got injured so the you know, Rangers can use some of that remaining salary cap space to, like, pull a Kucherov, off, if you know what that means, um, and try to mm-hmm. see if they can work the salary cap that way. That's just an idea. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying anybody should get hurt, but dot, 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 you know, it could be something that, you know, that, that may happen over the next couple of weeks. Um, now the only – the part I'm sort of looking at now is sort of in the, you know, the longer term as we kind of get down the home stretch with the last eight weeks of the season, trying to sort of get things in line with, okay – What's the what's the combination going to be now going forward? We have a clue, for the most part, what it's going to look like. I think the last part of this now is trying to get the fourth line figured out. I think a center on that line to sort of anchor that particular part of the group. I know we're talking about them playing maybe you know seven, eight, nine minutes a night relative to the other three lines, but I feel like that forward here, you know, there's going to come a point where I'm something I thought about the other day. You know, are the Rangers, as, as, as President Constructor, going to try to overwhelm an opponent with talent and try to sort of win games cute? Or is, it gonna, is there going to be, and it has to be, some part of this where there is um, some level of, what's the best word I can use for this? Um, some level of grit, right? Some level of sandpaper. Like you can't – the Rangers are not going to be able to 5-2 their way through this whole, this whole thing the rest of the way. That's not, that's not going to happen. There's going to have to be some, you know, some, some grind in all this. There's going to come a point where there's some adversity that has to be you – know, there's going to be an opponent that's going to sort of present them with the challenge in, in, in such a way where you have to sort of dig deep. I thought the Tampa Bay series was sort of like an illuminating factor of this, right? Like how far are the Rangers willing to go? deep down to where they want to go. And, you know, we kind of see where the playoffs are going to lead. They could probably have to run into Carolina, and they're probably going to play New Jersey in the first round. Like, that's my whole mindset now is, okay, how do you construct your team to beat those two teams and then figure it out after that? I think they're there, but they're almost there's still some tweaking to be done um, in trying to figure out who these last set of pieces are, whether it be on defense, on the fourth line, but everything else is kind of sort of set up where it's like, hey, listen, if not now, you know, when? And and looking at the schedule, you know, as I'm pulling it up right here, I know they have that big stretch against Washington and Pittsburgh coming up. But, you know, the next six games, you know, between, you know, the, the Canada trip and then the, 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 the games that they have at home, uh, with the exception of the Kings game, 
you know, they should be able to gather, I would say, of the 12 possible, let's see, of the 14 possible points, I think nine, anywhere between nine and ten is attainable. And I think if you do that, you can kind of stave off any any challenge from any of the teams either above you or any of the teams behind you. So I just sort of look at it from that standpoint. And then I guess when we come back later on, there's some stuff around the league that I kind of wanted to address. Something that came up about the the NHL um, playoff seeding, the way it's currently structured, and um, scheduling, which is causing some issues throughout the league. Yo, as a matter of fact, we could jump into that right now. Carl, go ahead. What's your thoughts on um, the NHL uh, schedule uh, in a foreseeable future? Yeah, so there was a great uh, yeah. discussion that I heard. Oh, well, 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 Scott, let me, well, Scott and Glenn, let me, set you, let me set you guys up with this here. Um, there was a great conversation I, I was hearing yesterday um, with Gord Miller of, uh, of TSN, and, and the conversation sort of came about, I guess the league is having some issues um, in certain, with certain um, markets right now selling out games, some really good teams. Um, that you know, whether it be Pittsburgh or, and apparently a lot of this has come about because of the way that the the schedule is um, is set up, where the Western Conference teams want the Eastern Conference teams to be in their buildings more, um, and it's causing an issue between that and not being able to get games, and teams that want to be able or or how 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 it was how was it presented? There want, the league is trying to promote more rivalries but that is leading to sort of an imbalance in the schedule. And then on top of that, the playoff seating as it stands right now is sort of imbalanced, right? Because three of the top six, like if you look at the way the Eastern Conference is currently set up, like that, that in, a normal, in a normal 1-8 setting, the way it sort of looks right now would not be the way it's set up, but the league can't sort of balance the playoffs in terms of 1-8 without tinkering with the current scheduling as it's set up right, figure out how the league addresses this because the, the rivalry games sell more tickets, but you can't do that and also have a 1-8 playoff scenario the way we think that the league should have it without tinkering with that first. And so let me throw it to you guys. How does the league sort of balance trying to promote, you know, healthy rivalry games that fans want to attend season ticket holders for the most part and even television and then have this playoff scenario where they have a legitimate 1-8 as opposed to you know basically three of the four best teams in the league which is in the Atlantic division Boston Tampa Bay Toronto basically playing in the first rounds of the playoffs to get like that doesn't add up to me yeah, let me let me answer that, and then we'll go to Glenn and then go back to Scott. I can answer that real quick, and that's going back to what they tried to set up a few you know a few years ago with the playoff format, with the division teams playing each other in the first round, and they they're trying to promote this rivalry, but at the same time, how are you going to take the Islander Ranger game in the regular season off the table? I mean, that was something we talked about a couple of months ago, right, Scott and Glenn? As far as we're only playing the Islanders up to a point, and and we're done by what Christmas? So I, that's a great question, Carl. And it, it's, a, it's really a simple answer. If you just go back to the 1A format, I never even thought that format they got right now with the playoffs set up right now is, it, it, to me, I don't think we need it. 
I think one eight would have been just fine. I think they were trying to find a way to give the playoffs some juice for a short stint, and I think it's kind of worked. Now we could go back to what I think what makes more sense anyway, have a more balanced uh, one through eight instead of what you just said as far as you know Boston. Toronto, Tampa Bay, all, you know, battling it, it, within that, that section of the playoffs. So I'm with, I'm with the, 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 what, what makes sense. And as far as what makes sense, and then travel should not even be an issue with Jersey fans and New York Ranger fans in particular. If they're bound to probably make the playoffs, they're going to travel well anyway. I mean, it, it may, I mean we all know the Ranger fans travel very well up and down the East Coast, even to the West Coast. And Jersey would would be no problem either, you know, if they decided to go to, like, Carolina or whatever. Um, Boston Bruin fans, the same thing. They're in the same boat. Uh, so my answer to that is go back to one through eight. I, I, n- I never really was a fan of this grouping of the, the, the divisions and the playoffs in the first round because their, their logic was to promote division – uh, uh, matchups early on, but then at the same time, you're taking the Islander Rangers series or games off the table during the regular season. Which it, it, if you want fans to attend the games, you got to have what what logistically makes sense. Uh, Glenn, what are your what is your thoughts on Carl's question and anything else around the league? And we we'll go to get Scott's answer to that. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you, Steve. I, I prefer the one through eight. Uh, because right now what we're looking at in, in, in most probably is Toronto and Tampa in the first round, Rangers and Devils in the first round. And as much as there's going to be a lot of juice in those series, I would prefer to see them in the, in the second round or even in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You, you know, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. I, I mean, you know, everybody says how uh, the first round of the NHL playoffs is the, the, the best in sports. Um, and, and a lot of that is is true, but um, you know when, when you're when you're taking some of the top teams in the league out in the first round uh, or in the conference at least, um, you know I, I don't think that's the way to go. I mean I, I go back to when it was ridiculous when when the whole league was one through sixteen. I mean I remember mm-hmm. the Rangers playing the L.A. Kings in the first round, and that was a little ridiculous with the travel and everything. I think the first round was like three three games, um, but. I mean, I think once rate is fine. I'd, I'd like to see more, uh, you know, divisional games, like you say, the Islanders and everything. Um, you know, when, when I was going to games and I had season tickets, you know, I wanted to see teams like, you know, Gretzky and, and the Oilers come in every year and some other teams come in rather than, you know, another game against Columbus or another game against uh, Buffalo or, you know. Um, and, and that was nice, but I, I – I would rather have these uh, division games during the season and let the rivalries build up that way. Um, you know, I mean, the Rangers and Islanders are, are still a rivalry, uh, even though they're only playing three or four times a year. I think it would be great to, you know, to go back to playing them maybe six times or seven times a year, uh, have that build up, and then if they do happen to meet in the playoffs, all the better. Uh, so, I think you can build up rivalries during the regular season. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the playoffs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would prefer to go uh, one through eight. And, uh, you know, if you get the occasional uh, upset, which, you know, you do get sometimes in the first round, that's fine. But, uh, I mean, they're building it up where you're going to have some of the best teams in each conference just 
be out right away. And I don't think that uh, promotes the game or the playoffs as much as I'd like to see. So that's my opinion on that. You, you have anything no, else from around the league? Okay, go ahead, Carl. I'll go back to Glenn. I, I was going to say. To follow up on this point, you know, if the if the one eight existed right now, you would have, as I'm looking at the standings here, you'd have the Rangers and Tampa Bay meeting in the first round. That's right. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. That, that is all right. I know. I know Tampa is Tampa, but I, I like our chances currently constructed. Even we still have time to actually build up on the roster to what you said, Carl. Because I agree with you as far as. Sure is something defensive-minded on that fourth line would make a lot of sense. But go ahead. I'm going to go back to you. Is there anything else around the league before we go to Scott and get his thoughts on Carl's question? And then we'll go back to Carl on that. Uh, Glenn, is he there? Well, oh, we took it. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. I didn't know you were you were talking to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking around the league. Uh, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a uh, a fight for that, uh, the, the two playoff spots out west. Uh, Seattle's kind of been dropping a little bit. So, uh, you know, they may wind up falling out uh, out of the picture completely because the uh, uh, the race is so tight there. I mean, teams are separated by a couple of points. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, Minnesota's another team that's kind of, drooping a little bit right now and Colorado is uh, picking it up and getting back to what you would expect from them. So, um, you know, I think around the league there's probably, you know, a number of teams that are out of it. St. Louis has obviously uh, declared that they're out of it with, uh, you know, moving Tarasenko and looks like O'Reilly might be moving. Uh, So, uh, you know, I think out West you're starting to see some separation where there's just going to be a battle for the, uh, uh, for the the playoff spots, the, the wild card playoff spots between uh, uh, you know Calgary and maybe St. Louis or uh, Seattle and uh, Minnesota. Uh, over in the East, I mean the uh, uh, you know we had earlier in the season figured that Washington and Pittsburgh were going to figure out a way to get there, and uh, you know we'll see. They may not. Uh, Washington is you know playing so so. Um, I'm watching them against Carolina right now. Uh, Florida's been picking up the pace. They're moving up. Uh, Buffalo is on the fringe. They're hanging in there. So I think there's a couple more teams fighting for those wild card spots uh, in the in the Eastern Conference. But uh, uh, you know, for the most part, I think we the Rangers have separated themselves enough from that uh, wild card fracas that I don't think they're going to have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and, uh, again, in the, in the Atlantic, it looks like Boston, Toronto, and Tampa uh, are, have pretty much solidified their positions. So, uh, you know, I think we're looking at a fight between Washington and Pittsburgh, uh, maybe the Islanders, uh, Florida, um, and, you know, possibly Buffalo. So I think there's more teams involved in the uh, wild card race in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference right now. But, you know, the way things are – tight, anything can happen. A good week or a bad week can really make a difference for a team. So, uh, But I think that's going to remain a, a battle down the stretch between those five or six teams. All right. Let's bring back on Scott. Hey, what are your thoughts as far as the uh, – Carl's question as far as division <laughs> opponents? I know that's something you talked about heavily 
Philly earlier in the year, Scott, and also uh, playoff, you know, the playoff formats, if, uh, you know, making adjustments for that based on the situation in the promoting division games. And then also your thoughts around the league as well, or if anything else you want to say, anything blue shirts before we go back to Carl. Um, yeah, before I shred the uh, current schedule and uh, playoff format, um, I just want to address something else, Carl, that you said earlier uh, made me grin. I had a big grin on my face when you said it. It was that when you were talking about what, what, what kind of team and style of play the Rangers are going to have looking towards the playoffs, and you said the words, they're not going to be able to win every game 5-2 to two in the playoffs. I, and I agree with you 100%. I'm not arguing the, the fact. It just made me smile because the Rangers are not in that conversation. <laughs> or, or, or up, up until that, up until now, they, they've not been in that conversation. You know, the conversation that we've had about, like, Florida last year, just scoring goals at will. I was comparing them to uh, the, the Washington teams from the, from the mid-2000s that were scoring goals at will and then all of a sudden died in the playoffs every time because we just, you know, you're not going to be scoring five, six goals a game. Um, so the fact that we're thinking of the Rangers as one of those teams at this point, um, given, you know, since December 5th, second most goals per game uh, in the league, and to hear you say out loud – uh, that, that that we're now one of those teams and we're not going to be able to keep up scoring, five, you know, five to do. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful problem to have for the Rangers because usually we're, we're saying the Rangers aren't going to be able to, you know, beat every team one to nothing. So to, you know, one, to, to be in that. one and pray for t- Exactly. To, to, last 20 minutes. Exactly. So to, to hear you say out loud that we're now one of these teams that like, well, can we continue this scoring onslaught in the playoffs? It's just really great to hear. Uh, so I just wanted to say that first. Um, I hate the schedule. I hate the, uh, the, the playoff format. Um, I hate when Gary Bettman tries to engineer and manufacture rivalries. You you don't manufacture rivalries. They come natural. They come over time. They come over events. Uh, Gary Bettman does not make the rivalries around here. We do. The fans decide what the rivalries are going to be. And if they want to nurture it, nurture it. But don't I, stop interfering and in making what you think the rivalries should be. Um, I hate that. Like, like I, 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 I have always hated this Pittsburgh-Washington thing. They have – you know, the league has been trying to hype them up as this big rivalry. Why? Because of Crosby and Ovechkin. Well, of course, because of Crosby and Ovechkin. They're, they're, I think they've played twice in the playoffs uh, since 2006 when this era started. So, like, just trying to shove this down our face. And one of the things – and the last time they played was um, one of the years the, uh, the, the Penguins won the Cup, 16 or 17, when they were both 1 and 2 in the league. And they ended up playing in the second round because of this nonsense. And the players on both sides had a complaint. This is a conference finals matchup. This is the 1 and 2 teams in the league. Look at um, – if they had that format in 94, the Rangers-Devils conference finals, one of arguably the greatest playoff series in hockey history, would have taken place in the second round, not the first, not the third round. Uh, you know, had they, had they made that mistake, I, I love one through eight. I'm all in favor of number two, the division winner. Um, you know, still getting the uh, the perks of a division winner, even if you know the next best team three is better record. I mean, that's, that that happens. That happens in sports all the time. Um, you know, for for a, a team, you know, you saw it in football this year with um, uh, the eight and nine uh, Tampa hosted um, 
whoever they hosted in the first first round. The Eagles. They, they hosted the Eagles, who were 13 and four. So I mean that was ridiculous. But you know what? There has as long as you're going to have divisions, there has to be a perk for winning the division. That being said, I think it should all be uh, survival of the fittest. After that, uh, the, the way it was before the, they they redid this divisions was perfect. One through eight. That way, you're guaranteed to have the two t- the two best teams in the league. What well, if they make it that far? That is um, playing in the conference, and they keep reseeding it to make sure it's it's you're mm-hmm. going to get that matchup. So. It definitely needs to go back. The league is trying to engineer, uh, you know, four-seed rivalry playoff series is, is what they're doing. Rangers, Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, Philly, uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Gary Bettman's favorite uh, fictional rivalry. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, I don't need to name all the rivals. You guys, we, we know what they are. But they're trying to force feed those, and they're sacrificing the integrity of the game because you're having two great teams meet potentially before the conference finals. Um, and with the, with the abbreviated schedule where we now play the Islanders, three times instead of four, you're completely contradicting yourself. Okay, you're trying to force the Rangers and the Islanders playing mm-hmm. in the playoffs, but at, at, in the meantime, you're trying, to, you're trying to force this rivalry, which doesn't need forcing. Um, I've been to Rangers-Islanders games where the, both teams were, you know, in, in, in like late March when both teams were eliminated from the playoffs, and you go into the garden, and it's still a playoff atmosphere in there. So they don't need to force the real rivalries. Like I said, we will take care of the rivalry. Rivalries. And in doing so, they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot because they're having less games between these teams in the regular season. It is so hypocritical. So, no, he needs to go back to one to eight, let us take care of the rivals. And, even, and, and, and here's an example of a, of a natural fan and, uh, and team-based rivalry that could have taken hold, and the league fucked it up. You had um, San Jose and, um, and, and Vegas. San Jose and Vegas, remember, they had that game seven in which Vegas was up, uh, what, three goals in the third, took that, um, took, took that mm. major penalty. San Jose comes back, mm. scores four goals. Vegas ties it in the last minute. San Jose wins it in overtime. There was, and those two teams hated each other after that. And it filtered over in the next year. And then the, um, the Sharks were the ones who eliminated the um, Vegas from the playoffs last year. They, they were the one who officially eliminated them by beating them. And they, they trolled the hell out of them on social media. And other teams were getting in. I mean, you know, th- there was some good, solid, bad blood between those teams. So here's a rivalry that naturally is taking in place and the league has done nothing to you, you know grab hold of this and endorse it and and let everyone know let the casual hockey fan know that here is a rival like it was why because because the league didn't think of it i mean they, they, I, they really need to back off trying to force feed what they believe rivalry should be let their they're natural let them take care of themselves um <laughs> So, yeah, it definitely needs to go back through to one to eight. As far as the schedule goes, you can only do so much now that you have Seattle in the mix. And that's another one. Now they're, 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 trying, to, they're trying to engineer a Seattle-Vegas rivalry. Why? Because they're the last two teams in? There's nothing between those two teams. Um, in, in any case, um, so now that Seattle's in the mix, though, that, you know, that's less games for the season. Unless you want to make it 84 games, 
Um, you know, and we, and we talked That's about this rumor. earlier. Me personally, well, I mean, if they do that, um, I mean, I still don't know if you'd be able to reinstate the four. I mean, we, we talked about this, and I think people were split on it because you could do one of two things. You can take away the home and home with the West and have it only in one arena, and then that would mean, re, you know, reinstating um, the fourth game, or you maybe you might even be able to make it five. I don't know uh, how many games you'd have to play and, with there. Um, the you know, teams don't want that. Right, and and I'm and I, I believe RP was um, and, and probably wasn't the only one um, who was who was in favor of doing that because you wanted and maybe maybe Glenn it was you too um, wanted to favor the East rivalries. I myself uh, I am not. I mean, yeah, I want to. You know, our rivalries are what they are, and I want them supported. But I also enjoy home and home. I think you should play a home and home with everyone, and I think the West should be uh, definitely both arenas. I think every team should get the opportunity and every team's fans should get the opportunity to see every team in the league in their place. Um, and I think that that needs to stay. Now that means, okay, so where do we get the games from? In my opinion, take away one from the, uh, from the Atlantic. I mean, yeah. Or is Rangers Bruins is would suffer. That's a natural rivalry. Okay. That's a team not in our division that we, the fans and, uh, the 1979 team <laughs> have decided. Was that the year 79-72 when uh, that big brawl when uh, uh, Mike Milbury, that piece of garbage, and whoever else climbed into uh, the garden seats and started beating up fans? You know, uh, we, we all know the the, the uh, yeah. we, we all know that. I don't remember what year. It was. Okay, all right. So. Okay, thank you. So, okay, so Rangers Bruins, you know, and the whole original six thing. Okay, that's a rivalry. Yes, um, but. I am in favor of taking away one of the – because they're not in the division. They're not in the division. I'm in favor of taking out – you know, knocking that down to a home and home, and now all of a sudden you give another game back to your interdivision rivals. And if we're going to have, you know, the and, and the, the teams in our division should be in our – I mean, I don't know what you do with Carolina and Columbus, but everyone else, Pittsburgh, Philly, Washington, the Islanders, the Devils, that goes without saying that they're in our division. We should absolutely – be playing each of those four at least two and two, you know, in each arena goes without saying there's no okay. excuse for playing any of those teams three times. All right, hold on. We got to, we got to get off on time. Shout out to you, Scott. Carl, have you got anything else before we go around for final thoughts? Carl, you want to add anything, anything to add? Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm trying the, the one eight format has been in the league far less than the division format the way it is now. You know, the, the old Adams division and Smythe division. I remember growing up, you know, Edmonton and Calgary and Winnipeg would basically sort of play a round robin in the postseason back in the 80s when the Oilers were good. So this the format that we're in right now has been pretty much the league standard. Now, whether we believe that standard is, is good is, is another thing. So that's why I don't want to blame the commissioner on this because, you know, over the amount of years the league's been around – this has kind of been what it is. And, you know, owners of the Western Conference teams want the Eastern Conference teams in their building. So the home and the, the – they're not showing up there. That's, not, that's almost like a non-starter. So you just have to figure out, okay, out of 82 games, yeah, we know that, if you're playing – We know 30, the answer to that. We, we, know, playing, we know why, though. We, we know why, though, because you know how it works, Carl. Like, well, not, not just – yeah, money, because a lot of these teams <laughs> out west, they have a lot of – Fans that migrated west, like you have Ranger fans living out west, Bruin fans and Blackhawk fans. And you, you know you have a lot of the people who live out east moved west, and they they stuck they stuck with their team. 
yeah. I mean, the, the West team wants the Rangers, Pittsburgh, the Flyers, Boston, Toronto yeah. in the building. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the Western Conference, outside of when Chicago was good, can't offer that to the Eastern Conference. Mm. And so that's a big – there's almost a, there's an imbalance sort of in the conferences right off the bat because once you took Detroit and Toronto away – Outside of Chicago, like, I'm just looking at the Western Conference right now. Is anybody really pining to see the L.A. Kings in the building? You know, Minnesota, no. Dallas? Uh, no. <laughs> so that, it's so heavily tilted already on one side that, the, that, that you can't sort of turn that around. And so the money sort of comes in. Folks want to be able to sell tickets at the gate. Season ticket holders don't go to every game. So you've got all these sort of things sort of tugging at each other, and I'm not totally sure what the league does, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll add this, and, and I think this is an elephant in the room that ties into everything what you're saying, Carl. Listen, I think the thing what they wanted to do with the NHL was expand out west with the Coyotes coming from Winnipeg and the expansion team in Seattle. The bottom line, is, especially with the warmer states, it's just hard to sell when the winter when the winter is like 80 degrees out there. Like it, it's really hard to get fans. They're not really diehards like the Northeast. They're just not. Tampa somehow because they brought up a winning product with their roster and winning championships. But look at Florida's problem. It's just as a big problem. It's just just a problem they have in Southern California with the Ducks and the Coyotes. Shit, it's to a point the city of Glendale didn't even want to renew the lease. They said it, the Coyotes were not even worth it. <laughs> that, that's just the biggest problem. It is because moving these hockey clubs out west and it's just not die hard. It's like the Northeast. It's just not, or even Canada, Toronto, uh, Ottawa, Montreal, places like that. Uh, uh, Glenn, let's get some final thoughts, man. I, I know we're kind of running for time. Anything else you want to have from the blue shirts around the league? Any shows, Glenn? Uh, let's get to our, our favorite part because I know that's the part Scott's been waiting for all night. Uh, any shows? Recommendations, of course, and then we get the Scott. I, I, we'll wrap up. We only got a couple minutes, so uh, give us about a minute. <laughs> I can't help you guys with any shows. I'm sorry about that. That's uh, Scott's arena, so I'm sure he'll still pond with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm looking at the Western Conference too. Like Carl was saying, um, there isn't one team that I would say if they're coming into town, I would circle and say, "Oh, I want to go to that game." Um, not one. Um, and uh, you know that's the problem because uh, you know like like you say the the teams out west want the east teams to come they want the Torontos and the Rangers and uh, the Bruins uh, to come in and sell tickets but you know like Carl says that it's not reciprocal uh, you know you're not going to get excited about an Arizona coming in or even a Calgary maybe Edmonton if you want to see McDavid uh, but San Jose Vancouver I mean who cares you know so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really a, 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 a problem um, that takes away from some of the rivalry making in the East because it's taken away games, divisional games, and even uh, conference games. I mean, look look how the Rangers and Tampa in the last 10 years have kind of become a rivalry. Um, part of it is, is meeting in the playoffs. Part of it is probably that there were so many ex-Rangers in Tampa that, uh, you know, that kind of generated some, some interest. But um, – you know, again, I, and, you know, like, uh, like Scott is saying, too, rivalries just happen. Um, you know, they, they, the fans create it, the players create it, and, uh, you know, trying to force it, trying to, you know, manipulate things to make rivalries that really aren't there 
I think it just doesn't work. And and I know the league has tried to do a bunch of different things to try to, uh, um, you know, change things up and pacify everybody. But sometimes when you pacify everybody, you pacify no one. So, I mean, I think the league's got a lot of work to do in that regard. And, uh, uh, you yeah, know, we'll see what happens. Maybe something will happen in the offseason. They'll, they'll change what they're doing. I mean, look at baseball, too. I mean, it, it, the interleague stuff was fun for a while. Uh, you know, even if, you know, you're a Mets fan and, you know, the White Sox come in or, you know, you're a Yankee fan and, like, uh, uh, I don't know, the Nationals came in when they were good. Um, you know, there was some impact in that, but you're taking away games that, uh, you know, you really want to see the rivals. And it's interesting that, you know, baseball is now starting to, to work on manipulating the lineup and maybe realigning divisions and doing away with the whole idea of the American League and the National League. So it's happening everywhere. Uh, so, right. you know, I think I, we're just going to continue to see changes in, in all the sports as far as that goes. Starts this, starts this year. Every team in baseball is playing every team in baseball this season, beginning this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Shout out. Shout out to Glenn. Uh, we're out of time, but Scott, give us like a, a quick minute, man, if you could get it all in in a minute and then crawl because we're out of time. Uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, then I guess I'll go right to uh, the entertainment portion <clears throat> of the programming. And um, I don't know Woo-hoo. if you guys watched the, uh, the, 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 the flash trailer. The, 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 it was uh, one of the first commercials in the Super Bowl. Um, now I personally couldn't give a rat's ass about the flash, but Glenn, the important <laughs> thing is if you didn't see it, uh, Michael Keaton is putting the cowl back on, on, on June 16th. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Okay. So, yes, Michael Keaton is resuming Batman duties on uh, June 16th, and we're all excited about that. Uh, and the other big – yeah, I, I can't wait. I have no interest in the movie at all um, except for that aspect of it. Yeah. So take my money now. <laughs> and then the other <laughs> one, I know um, <laughs> uh, Steve has been very um, uh, adamantly a supporter of, uh, one of one of our one of our shows, The Last Kingdom, which was ended uh, uh, last year, a couple of years ago. It's one of those uh, Vikings era shows, historical dramas, etc. It's on Netflix. If anyone hasn't watched it, but uh, they are, and we we both absolutely love that show. They're making a movie about it, I guess. Uh, if anyone else, Glenn or Carl, I guess if you didn't watch the show, it's probably not huge news for you. And I would recommend not watching the movie until you do watch the show, if that's on the table. But in any case, they're making a, a follow-up movie that comes out on Netflix in two months, on, exactly two months from today, April uh, April 14th. But um, as far as other shows, I mean, we talked about The Last of Us. That just keeps getting better and better. Um, and then that's pretty much all I got, I guess. The regular, you know, all the regulars, that's pretty much all that's going on now anyway. Uh, I know for the Yellowstone fans, 1923 just keeps getting better and better. And uh, also big news, um, Steve, did you hear the news that uh, Kevin Costner apparently has been a huge problem with the filming yeah, schedule? Yeah, so they're, uh, they're, they're, they're kicking him off. So they're not recasting mm-hmm. him, um, but they're going to end oh. the show. Yeah, it's not that they're recasting it with Matthew McConaughey. They're going to end the show and then start another spinoff. And I think that one will be a present-day spinoff. So I don't know what they're going to call it, how it's going to work, but I don't know if it is the same character, but it, but it might be a different era of his life. I don't know. But in any case, yes, Mike uh, Matthew McConaughey will be the lead, whether that's Kevin Costner's John Dutton or a different Dutton. I don't know. But um, apparently Yellowstone is going to come to an end because things 
things just got out of control between, with Kevin Costner and 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 I don't I don't know what the deal was, who's to blame, but I just know that there was he was a big problem. There was a big problem with him, and uh, to the point where they got to wrap it up. So that's. That's it. That's it. Things are happening. It, it, it's nobody better when it comes to these recaps with these TV shows and this hockey all in one umbrella. <laughs> and Scott, man, thank you very much, man. You're right, and I I heard about that news. Uh, Carl, final thoughts? It shows you got you want to recommend uh, the blue shirts around the league. Uh, your f- final thoughts? I mean, man, I got seven months now until football season, so I've got to figure oh, something yeah. out to, no, during, uh, during non Scott, during non Ranger games I, to, to Scott, skill time. Me. Yeah, I, I got it. Well, not basketball. No, definitely not that. Um, <laughs> I have to figure, I'm, I'm in the market. So let's put it that way. I'm in the market. Uh, no other, no other thoughts. It was a great discussion with everybody. And uh, Hey, you know, now that we've got all this sort of, you know, downtime here, it's Rangers hockey the rest of the way up until hopefully past Memorial day. We'll hope, you know, just knock on wood that that happens. And, uh, Hey, we got it's going to be a nice fun ride the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. We got these games um four games between uh tomorrow and uh, next Monday and then of course uh we'll be back here next Tuesday 8 p.m. I'm actually personally, man, I want to see how we avenge our loss last year in Edmonton. Uh you know, I thought the Rangers played well and then McDavid took over. I want to see how they bounce back uh versus the uh the Edmonton Oilers this uh, uh, this Friday. They got a back-to-back, of course, in Alberta. But Glenn, Scott, and Carl, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We'll be back next Tuesday. Get more into to the hockey, and let's just hope to keep you know keep the winning coming up, man. Keep the winning, man. Uh, catch Jersey and see what we we'll do. Maybe put a dent uh, in as far as the deficit in the standards with the points, man. Sign here, so ladies and gentlemen, Lee Blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, 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 blee blue.